Welcome to Pass the Noise, Episode 1. I'm your host, Suge. Today's music, lead-in music, was going to be the Damn Yankees. Come Again, 1990. However, I have found out that playing music at the beginning, regardless of whether I'm making any money off of it or not, is an infringement upon copyrighted materials. And yes, copyrighted, not copywritten. Either way, bottom line is, I can't play music. And that's absolutely horrible. Because I want you to imagine this. Let me ask you this question. When is the last time you heard the damn Yankees? It's probably been since 1990 if some of you were alive. So I just want you to imagine I'm walking down the street and I see Tommy Shaw, the lead singer, or Ted Nugent, and I say, hey, guys, I would love to play your song at the beginning of my show as a lead-in for five or six seconds. How much would you be willing for us to play? And he would say, probably, you can play the whole freaking song. I mean, that would be awesome. But on the contrary, their record label would say no, because I am infringing upon their copyright it's their music so I find that absolutely ridiculous because again right now their music is in a coffin somewhere and there might be somebody on this show that's listening that says man I really like that song I haven't heard it in a long time and they might drop a dollar and 29 cents on Apple music to buy the thing but you know I guess I can't help out the damn Yankees but I do, I want you to imagine this. You're at a, whatever your favorite event is. Let's say it's a boxing match or baseball game or football or whatever. Can you imagine this? For 5 to 10 to 15 seconds, they get to play a song that you like that's part of your personality. You get to walk out in front of 80,000 to 10,000 to 25, whatever the number is based on the arena that you envision in your mind. And you get to play your music and it is part of your personality. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not get that ability. I mean, I just don't. Unless somebody wants to write me a song that I could play at the beginning of my show and not have to worry about being sued. And it's just ridiculous. So, just know that for the next five seconds after I say go, this is your opportunity to play your walkout song or walk up song. It could be walk out or walk up, but you get five seconds to play your song in your head before the beginning. Whatever motivates you or floats your boat, you get to play it for the next, for five continuous seconds, and then we will start the show. Are you ready? Do you feel it? Do you smell what I'm stepping in? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Here we go. Go. All right, that was a song by, I love that song. It's a song by the damn Yankees. 1990 called Come Again. Really good song. Welcome to episode one. We just finished episode zero last week. I call it episode zero because it was a true introduction to what this show is going to be about. I'm excited about today's show. Got my first guest. Had people ask me recently through text messages, emails, phone calls, social media, direct messages, whatever. 
They want to know, they're asking me, who in the world is going to be your next guest? They've made predictions, and you know what? Not a single soul has been correct. And that makes me a little bit excited about that because I'm a little bit unpredictable, I guess. And, and that's a fun thing. So, with that being said, I get to introduce you to our next guest. Megan from Nashville, and that's Nashville, Tennessee. I just want you to understand that you're the very first guest ever. That kind of means you're important. I'd also like to say that if we're talking Star Wars, if I'm the Han Solo or the Luke Skywalker, you're going to have to bring it because there's a lot of pressure on you. So you're going to have to be like Princess Leia or uh, Ray, and you can't be a Jar Jar, okay? Because he's just going to bring it down. <laughs> he's going to bring it down. And I, it's funny because just talking to you, I can already imagine how fun this is going to be. And I've looked forward to this for a, a good while now. Because I know that you're fun and you're exciting and you bring interesting stories. But for a warm up, let me ask you, how old are you? I'm 25. 25. And you live not in Nashville, but sort of west of there, about 30, 25 miles. Yes, I live in a redneck town okay. <laughs> about 30 miles from Nashville. And you have worked in Nashville for about three years since you graduated from college. Technically, yes. I okay. worked there for about three years and then moved away for a bit and now and, I'm back. And your bachelor's degree is from a college nearby and it is in, from what I read, exercise science. Yes. Okay. Exercise science. And I don't use it. <laughs> but it's Okay. A lot of people don't use what they intended when they graduate. They think that they're going to be winning the Nobel Prize in their area, and it just doesn't happen. And that's okay because college is about jumping through hoops. So um, let's get up on let's get to a warm up activity. What's your favorite food? Spaghetti with cottage oh. cheese. Okay, cottage cheese. And so I've never interviewed before and we're about to find out why, but actually I've just never, I've never done this, but it's going to be fun because it's good. It's going to get better and better. If you, okay. I know your parents and they're fun people as well. I was, I was thinking about this question the other night and I just want you to fill in the blank. My temperament is like my, and pick a, Pick your one of your parents. My temperament is like your father. And your mouth is like your mother. You think so? Sure. Why is that? Well, I definitely think my I'm a little bit more calm and laid back like my dad. My personality definitely comes a lot more from him, I would say. My mom is like a sweet little lady and um, she doesn't, I would say my mouth comes from her, but she also has like a little snappy side. Yeah. Um, and I would say that I'm that way as well. <laughs> okay. I get it. What is your favorite meal time? My favorite meal time is probably dinner. But on the weekends, I look most forward to brunch. 
brunch. I can't stand that word. I can't stand the word brunch. I can't stand the word picnic either. But brunch, brunch seems like it's more for lazy, not lazy people, but highfalutin people who wake up too late to to enjoy the official time for breakfast. Because breakfast, after about 10 o'clock, breakfast is quit. You don't make breakfast, so everybody goes for brunch. Well, after 10, 15, it's lunchtime until 1. Okay? So that's just the way that it is with me. I mean, I can't handle it. I feel like highfalutin, or whatever word you use, people eat brunch during the week because they have time for that. Like mm-hmm. wives and stuff that don't have jobs. Mm-hmm. But on the weekend... Most people sleep in and, you know, I'm not going to wake up at 7 a.m. and eat breakfast. Sometimes I do, but I look forward to brunch because, you know, eggs Benedict and mimosas and <laughs> mimosas. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. I quit that about eight years ago or nine, <laughs> nothing but blessings, but okay. But here's the reason. Okay. Well, let me ask you this for the generational purposes. When, Okay, what what do you eat around five o'clock to eight o'clock? What time, what meal time is that called? Dinner. Mm-hmm. So you're a dinner person. Yes. You go with breakfast, which apparently you don't partake in, and you I go do. with okay, okay. On the weekend, however, we still we throw in a different. We have breakfast. But you don't take breakfast. You don't do breakfast. You look at this and me sound like you're taking medicine. You don't take breakfast. <laughs> you eat brunch on the weekend. And then you then lunch rolls around and you might take you might take lunch. You might eat lunch. And then you have dinner. Mm-hmm. What- it's very rare that I'm going to eat a, a lunch, though. I might have a snack on the weekend if I'm having brunch. <laughs> okay. Well, then where does supper go? What is supper? Isn't that just like a country term for dinner? Uh, I don't know how country it is because the Lord had his last one. You remember? (laughs) I thought that was just like a very broad or not broad, but I thought that was just the label in the Bible for it. Uh I didn't know it was. So you're one of those that takes the Bible as the interpretation can be. (laughs) The only people that say supper is my family in Arkansas. Okay, well, <clears throat> what was your last presentation in college and what class? I don't know the exact presentation. I know one of my last classes, my last semester I had a nutrition class and we had a big presentation at the like very last you know week of class. And I want to say it was over fad diets. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember which one I had to do it over. I just remember my partners were trash. Um, <laughs> that's no usually the way that's usually the way it is so but that professor just was a lot she didn't extra like, yeah i mean i would take a test and write down something and if it was correct in a simple way that's cool but it wasn't cool for her and she would still count it wrong so i really mm. didn't think i was i was walking down the aisle to graduate and i was thinking i don't even know if i passed nutrition <laughs> Oh, one of those. <laughs> well, the, the reason I ask is because presentations are also something that I just don't enjoy because 
for 10, for 10 minutes, students are up there doing presentations, basically reading it. And the people sitting at their seats are students and they're looking at Facebook or whatever, because they're about to shoot themselves in the chest with buckshot because they're so <laughs> bored. On the contrary, though, I used to work with a lady in Mississippi and she was phenomenal about presentations. She she just did well with the content, teaching them how to uh, to get the information across with the uh, with the juniors and seniors. However, the freshmen and sophomores, I remember one time when her uh, she had someone in the family die and I had to go watch her class. And I literally heard so many us and ums and likes and lip smacking thing. Like when they would finish, they'd go, you know, and they would roll them up and throw them in the pan. For some reason, people wanted to act like it was cold and they would do their hands. Like <laughs> I, I, I've yet to figure that one out. So I, that day, this is probably seven years ago. And my students right now are probably saying, is he doing this to her? And the answer is yes. So Megan, I just want you to realize for the rest of this show, you have to, for every time you say like, or, um, or make some lip smacking thing, you have to say the word. And I hate this word. The word is shampoo. I don't even know where that word came from. I need to do some background information (laughs) on the word shampoo, but whatever. So I also don't like the word rendezvous and I don't like the word picnic. You got any words you don't like? Thumb, balloon. <laughs> There's another word I can't even say out loud. So I'm not even going to try. I can't do it. I will vomit. So, but those are my two that I can say. They just annoy me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I get it. People don't understand why that happens, but it, it is a for real deal. There's no doubt. Okay. So, Anyway, back to the presentations. You can't do that. Are you going to be able to pull that off? You're, you're, you're good with that, right? Probably not. Oh. But I think the shampoo might make things a little confusing, but I'll do my best. Yeah. Well, you have to, if you say like or whatever, not whatever, but if you say like, um, you have to say shampoo and you have to interject that as soon as you say those words. Okay. Got it. Another thing that I can't stand now that I'm on it. Thank you so much, Megan, for letting me just get across some of the things that I don't like. I don't like acronyms. Do you want to know why I don't like acronyms? I would love to know why. I don't have a problem with acronyms if you're learning things temporarily. So, for instance, if you need to make an acronym when you're studying something, again, that you don't have to learn, but you have to remember. So, like, my mother went to... Kmart to buy coffee today. You know what I'm talking about? Those kinds of acronyms. But I don't also, I also don't like the, I mean, if you're going to learn the information, you need to learn the information. I mean, that's how I passed math class in high school. Right. The other kind, I mean, the other thing I was going to say about acronyms is I don't really like it when they're forced upon us. You know what I'm talking about? You know what it means? You know what it means when they're forced upon us? I guess I go into more detail. Like when you are at church, for instance, I don't know why a lot of preachers and church members like to use acronyms, but for instance, like 
This week class or this week church, we're going to go into a new eight week program learning about Timothy. And we're going to use this particular acronym as our basis. And it's let's say it says, I'm not making this up on the fly. Okay. It <laughs> says pray. Okay. The, the P is for praise and the A is for, excuse me, the R is for, can't even spell it, can I? The R is for, uh, rejoice. Okay. That, that, do you know what I mean? A abide. <laughs> <laughs> abide. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. So you do get it anyway. In other words, they force that up on us to, they force that on us so that they're making it. It's almost like it's a, it's a word that's supposed to reinforce what the whole eight weeks is about. And it's not just church. I mean, a, a business corporations, do this when they have their retreats and they have this huge, uh, just stop. You don't have to do that. Just learn your material. That's all there is to it. Stop, stop worrying about acronyms. All right. So, and now Megan, we get to the part where you get to shine (laughs) and this is your segment. It's all you. I'm going to basically Sort of. I know you don't want this. I'm not going to just turn the microphone on and hand it to you and let you do all the talking. Here's the reason why your story is, I wouldn't say compelling. Compelling stories are for later on down, later on down the road. All right. So you immediately found a little bit of success because as soon as you finished your degree, you found yourself employed. In this process or this transition, you've had a lot of things to go on from the time that you graduated and to to now. But the interesting thing is the reason we have this podcast is because there's a lot of young people out there. Now, people that are 35, 38, they've already gone through this process. So they're probably going, yeah, whatever. But they always love the stories. So in this particular case, this is good for younger people because here's the thing. A shot at being in business or a shot at being a sales rep for a a fairly major company sounds pretty lucrative. You know, you're, you you got to think about that because there's a lot of people who want to be, do pharmaceutical sales. And trust me, it's changed quite a bit since, you know, back in the day. And a lot of people want to work. They just, all they hear about is sales reps, sales reps. I can make money and I get my bonuses and this and that. But you found yourself actually not being out selling immediately, you found yourself doing something a little differently. So tell us about how you started. So out of college, I got a job being an inside sales rep and working there for two years, did a lot of help with the sales reps out in the field, Mm -hmm. just more of their administrative tasks. And two years later, this job opening came about. I applied, not thinking I'd get it in all the way in Portland, Oregon. Mm. And I took the position working with that sales rep. Um, Oregon is a very large state. So one rep, you know, it's a lot and he couldn't manage the entire state by himself. So they hired a territory manager, which is pretty much 
a step down. Um, the next step up would be to be the sales rep. So most of my job was more keeping clients we already had. So upselling to them, keeping them happy, bringing them lunch, training new employees that they had that were using our systems. That was pretty much the basis of the job. In two sentences or less, tell me what in the world's the difference between in-house sales versus out-of-house sales? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Can you do it in two sentences? (laughs) No. Okay. I mean, in two sentences, the difference is one's out in the field and one's not. (laughs) That's one sentence, I guess. That's that's very good. You go to Portland. Now, this this is the part that I really get fired up about because you, you here you are about to go to to Portland, Oregon. How in the world did you make the decision? Because that's a big deal. That's a truly big deal to make that decision. Well, there were a lot of people supportive of it because, again, I applied thinking there's no way I'll get this. I'm twenty. I was twenty three at the time when I was interviewing. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking there's definitely more experienced people going against me for this. Um, Apparently there was only one shampoo, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I also at the time was just got accepted to get my master's in public health. And that was also something I thought I wanted to do Um, shampoo. So (laughs) At the time, I was thinking, there's no way I should do this right now. I just got accepted into the master's program, which I thought I would never get to do. I was not the best student. Sorry, talking to a professor. Um, Shampoo. So (laughs) I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do this. I know it's something I've always wanted to maybe try. The sales rep out there was always a mentor for me and someone I always wanted to work for. Mm-hmm. So I go home, I tell my family, I call all my family, I talk to my friends and most of my close friends work for the company. And, and let me guess, they all said, this is a wonderful opportunity for you, Megan, suck it up for a year or two and go out there and get some experience, right? Pretty much. I think they watched me feel kind of stuck for a while. Yeah. I have a lot of people in my life that, even like oh, that must be nice. Well, <laughs> I was going to say I have a lot of people in my life that work corporate jobs and I look up to, and mm-hmm. it was something I wanted to do. And so they watched me kind of feel stuck for a while. They knew that I was ready for a change. Did I think going all the way to Oregon was going to be that change I needed? I'm not sure. Okay. They offered you a salary and they offered you bonuses. Interestingly Mm -hmm. enough, had COVID already started? Was that already in the process? Yes. That year it started that summer. It got better. And then Mm -hmm. that fall when I were, it was kind of still better. But then when I actually got out there, it got way worse. And the, the irony or coincidentally, yeah, there's a difference between those two. Coincidentally, anybody moving out to Oregon, oh, how they have lockdown. Oh, how they have masks. Oh, they are very, 
strict on those on precautionary measures. Oh, so, people wore masks outside walking their dog. And I, no, I wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm definitely not going to be biased to or against it. That's not what I'm no, about, uh, but yeah. that's, that's fine. You can be all you want to. Just like I can't control the fact that you may drop an F-bomb on here. And, you know, all I can do is, <laughs> well, <not. laughs> all I can do is edit it out. So you, you get to Portland. What did you find right off the bat that was different? Well, the people. <laughs> you have a really interesting story about some people. But anyways, you had mentioned trees. Yes. As far as the nature of it, Oregon is the most beautiful state I've ever visited. Well lived, too. (laughs) Um, Shampoo. The trees are so tall. Like, whenever I was in Tennessee and driving through the mountains, I thought, well, like, it's so beautiful here. The trees are so tall. And then you go to Oregon and you're an ant compared to the trees there, which it rains a lot. So everything grows 10 times larger, I assume. More mosquitoes. No. None? I heard everything up north is, oh, wow. I don't think I got bitten by a mosquito once. Okay. So (laughs) what about, so let me ask you this. Here you are in Nashville, and the cost of living is definitely a little bit different, um, shampoo. And you think that, okay, so what is what can it possibly be? And I'm just throwing things at you. What was the what was the cost of living like compared from your little town in Tennessee near Nashville, and all the way over in Portland, seriously, just saying the word Portland, Oregon. That's a big deal. So Portland, mm-hmm. Oregon. What are, I mean, you have a dog too. You have a dog. So you got to have paid mm-hmm. for while you're gone. Your dog didn't stay at home, did it? Because I don't think people in Portland like that too much. So you have to do what? So, yes, I took my dog out to Oregon with me. And a huge cost of that was I traveled for this job and mm-hmm. I had to board her. Or if I wasn't boarding her, I was taking her with me to the hotels and taking her to daycare during the day. Did you say daycare? Yes. Daycare. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) So that's expensive. Oh, very. I think I paid 150 for two nights at one point. I will say the first time I ever boarded her, I put her in a city view suite because I'd never boarded her and she is my angel baby lover pie. And (laughs) that's the only words I can think of. She's my child. And I was thinking, I have to spoil her. She's never been boarded. And so that was a huge cost putting her in a city view room with a TV. She doesn't even watch TV. Okay. But yeah, that was very expensive. <laughs> you should. I don't know if I need to continue this this interview anymore or not. You're like, <laughs> what are the what are the kids saying these days? Bougie. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we got doggy daycare. We got to deal with that. <laughs> you can't breathe in Oregon for free. Okay, you just can't. So electricity bills. Well, I didn't have air conditioning so most of portland doesn't have air conditioning 
And I don't even oh, know yeah. if that has anything to do with the electricity. Honestly, I don't know how that works. Well, it's the um, humidity there and everything's different and it doesn't get, it rains there. But of course, the one year I'm there, they have a heat wave of 116, mm-hmm. 115, whatever. People are dying because it's so, so you've got, hot. You've got the box fan with a cube of ice, is, a cube of ice behind it. <laughs> Me, my dog and I both had wet blank like wet towels on top of us at one mm. point laying on the ground in front of the fan i i had a lot of hotel points from my job and there was a point where i was like i have to go check into a hotel immediately because it was so hot oh so you you were also telling me a story or you said something about people mm-hmm. and i love this what what are the people like without completely annihilating their souls right now. What are the people like, what what was the person or persons that you had dealings with like in Portland? Well, I think a huge difference when you leave Tennessee, a more conservative state Mm -hmm. and go to a more not conservative state. <laughs> is it not okay? Of. Is it not okay to say liberal? <laughs> I, that's, I couldn't think of the word. Oh, <laughs> so, glad I could help. I'm not very political, so I don't even know. Um, I don't trust any of them. So yes, I'd so, vote for. I would vote for you before I would vote for any of these people. Anyway, go ahead. That's just me. <laughs> so that was a huge. I don't want to say culture shock, but maybe that's the word. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Shampoo. But (laughs) when I got there, I mean, I didn't really run into anyone just super rude or by any means. All my clients were super friendly. Didn't really ever have any issues with them, but they worked with my partner for a while. So I don't think they're ever going to be rude to me. Um, Shampoo. But you're doing really well with that. I just want you to know. (laughs) I'm trying. So I didn't meet anyone the first six months I was there. Um, I did have a really good encounter and that's sarcasm at the grocery store. One time the, I was, you know, in an aisle looking at spices and I, someone was trying to pass me. And so I backed up a little bit and there was an employee behind me, but of course I didn't see her. I turn around and I pat her on the shoulder and say, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I was trying to let them through and all Nashville. Yeah. Because at my grocery store in Tennessee, you could run over someone with your cart and they would <laughs> say, that's completely fine. Like have a good day. <laughs> so, but. <laughs> but she turns around and she's, she looks like, a Portlander. And that's all I have to say. Like (laughs) she turns around, looks at me and says, that is just completely not okay. And I just can't (laughs) believe that you touched me. And I'm distraught because I'm, you know, this sweet little country girl. (laughs) That's like, I'm so sorry. Like blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, then I look down and she has a name tag on and she's (laughs) literally an employee so I'm walking around thinking should I go talk to the manager because that was just absolutely awful obviously I didn't mean to run into her so that was really fun I left the grocery store and pretty much had anxiety every time I went inside a grocery store the whole time I lived there because of that encounter (laughs) how 
large were those riots because on television they made them look like they were just all over portland oregon so i actually didn't live near any of them they were pretty much across the bridge i only saw two and i wouldn't even really call it riots because i mean one of them probably was but when i was moving out there my mom very protective was like making me research everything making sure i'm not going to live where all the homeless people and riots are. Um, There were actually still tons of homeless people in my neighborhood, needles all over the ground. It's fine. Um, Mm. But the only time I really saw a riot was over the bridge one day. And it was only like five or six people just yelling. They had bullhorns, posters, honestly don't even remember what it was about at that time. But then one day on my side of town, I was just trying to eat a burrito one day outside and like heaven forbid. Cars. Heaven yeah. forbid they mess up your burrito time in Oregon. For where real. <laughs> so I, it was a new place. I was trying to enjoy the food that I just, you know, I think at that time things were opened up a little bit more. You could sit outside. Mm-hmm. So 30 cars start honking. They have their bull horns and they're yelling out, you know, what people are writing about these days and I'm sitting there and just like I just want to eat my burrito you're interrupting me and other people felt the same way too though I mean it's not like all of Portland Oregon is do is rioting I think I remember going out of town at one point to California and a friend texted me she lived in Arizona but she had texted me and said are you okay like I'm, I know the capital's on fire, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then but, there were times that I would get on Twitter and I followed like a news guy there and he would say the Jimmy John's got whatever because of rioters. And I'm like, why do you have to hurt the Jimmy John's? Like <laughs> I love Jimmy John's. <laughs> so there okay. were things, things like that, but I never really ran into it, but I definitely still saw it on social media. But, you know, social media does make things a lot worse. So I've noticed what we're doing is I tell my mom all this. I tell my mom this all the time. She kind of does tree branch talk. I call it branch talking. She will start out conversations. And it's hilarious. She'll say, well, son, I had a great day today. Mow the yard. It sure was hot. And I tell you what, it was so hot that and she, she goes off on that. She forgets where to come back to. And I enjoy that. I have enjoyed that with you. Tree branch talk. Now let's get back to the trunk. So you moved, moved it all to the booming metropolis of Portland, Oregon. In your mind, you've got this, you've got this wonderful job. You're going to be making, I don't know, 70 grand, something like that. I'm not going to tell anybody what you were making, but okay. First job opportunity, you're feeling successful. You move out to Oregon. Then all of a sudden you get there. And the point was, is that you've got a ton of bills to pay. And that is something that people don't think about when they take these lucrative positions. And think about this also, Megan, you've got, you've got these bonuses that, 
I don't know what your bonuses were like, but everybody has bonuses when they sign on for these companies. And I'm sure you got a sign on bonus as well. And if you don't work there for a certain period of time, you got to pay those sign ups, those sign on bonuses back. So there's a lot of pressure and you're locked in now. And so you go to Portland, got all this on your mind, and then you got doggy daycare that's a gajillion dollars. You still have to pay rent, which I am quite sure. I've already looked at the data on this. And for a little studio place, you're paying your paycheck, basically. How much, uh, where did you live? Did you live in a house or did you live, what did you do? I lived, it was called the Pearl District. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the safer areas. And I had a 315 square apartment. 315 square. Oh, wow. I called it my box Mm -hmm. because it was like a shoe box. And I paid $1,150. Yeah, I didn't think that was was $11.50. I just wanted to, you know, we'll make things really difficult these days. Um, I, while we offend everybody when we say it, but go ahead. (laughs) So that was outside of electric trash, um, water, all the above. Yeah. Um, the doggy daycare, the doggy daycare was killing you. Oh, student loans. Forgot about student loans. I, everybody in their Everyone living today that went to college probably has student loans, whether they are private or public, whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. yes. So yes, you got those as well. I had my student loan, a car payment, my car insurance, my phone bill. And with that job, you also put money up front each month. So you were paying out of your pocket for people's lunches. And that came, that did come with me getting a credit what? card. Yeah. So I got a credit card. Oh, this just got know. way better. Come on with it, girlfriend. Bring I it on. <laughs> I already had a credit card, but I needed one with a higher limit. So um, you don't get a work credit. Some people, some, you know, every company is different, but I got one. I got a Marriott card mm-hmm. because I wanted to get something that I got points for and stuff. So got that. And you pretty much have to, with sales, if your company is not giving you the funds at first, you're putting that money up front. So when I traveled, I was paying for the hotel. I was paying for the food that I was taking to clients. Yeah, there we go. Gas. That's what I'm looking for. I need theatrics. Remember, we're, we're, I have a student in my class and she says um, she loves the theatrics of me um, teaching. And right now you're doing great because here's what you're doing. You're building up the bills, and that's what I need. Good job. So uh, just go through a list. This is beautiful. Right. You're going through a list of all the things. So you are buying peppermint sticks with chocolate over them, and you're giving them to all the doctors that you're going to be seeing. And go ahead. You got to pay for your gas on on the front end of this. You got to pay for coffee cups and stuff for the nurses. Okay. Oh, you're getting them whole whole meals. I mean, I was taking noodles and company. I was taking 30 boxes of pizza to some of our, we had really big clients. So there were some times that you were spending $500 on lunch for one place. And when you're on your dime. Yes. And that all comes back at the end of the month. 
And so yeah, you got to think about if you have the credit to get a high credit limit. If you don't, you're going to end up using your own money in your bank account after your credit is oh, maxed, credit cards maxed poor out. Poor soul. <laughs> that's is a that lot sarcasm? of, but that's a, no, 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 no. You poor soul that, I mean, I'm, I can be very sarcastic, but at the same time, that right there is significant. That's what I wanted to get to. Out of all the things that we've talked about on here, now we're getting to the nuts and bolts. The bells and whistles were all the other stuff that we've been talking about. That's kind of like, hey, hey, that's fun. She's interesting. You just got through saying the part that I was wanting to get to. There's a lot of people who can't afford that job. Mm-hmm. You can, Now, think about this. That's where you truly have to make money. You got to have money to make money. And if people mm-hmm. don't have money to make money, you don't make any money in that position. Or you stress out to the point where you can't even go to sleep at night because you're worrying about whether you're going to get your reimbursements on time and time enough to pay the balance on those cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're talking about gas. So what are some of the things you were going on in like a... I interrupted you, stole your thunder. So let's get the thunder rolling again and just throw some lightning on top of it. What were you saying? You you had to pay for gas, lunches, marketing expenses. Mm-hmm. So, well, with my company marketing, not as much because we had a store that they just paid for whatever you ordered, but um, shampoo, the gas obviously on the West coast is on another level of expensive um shampoo (laughs) i had to put up money for the hotels and there were places i went to especially central oregon is a very popular area so in the summer there were times that the hotel was 300 a night and i would be there all week because we had clients that I had to step in for to help assist with collections and oh, you, had to do, you, had to do, you had to do the hard work too. Oh yes. I was a glorified specimen collector pretty much. I, oh no, no, no. The title for that is clinical application specialist. That's what that is. A specimen collector. Yeah. Well, that's what we call We can call it that. I mean, it's like a, okay. it's like Sounds intake, a little bit better. <laughs> it's like intake coordinator. You know, you got to give something yeah. a title. So yes, better. Yeah. Write that on your resume for the next job, (laughs) clinical application specialist. That's where we're going to roll. There were, there were probably three weeks where I had to text my boss and my partner and say, Hey, happy to go down here for you. Cause a lot of the job I did was to help out my partner. Mm -hmm. So if he couldn't go, it was me going and I didn't mind, but there were times that I had to say, Hey, happy to go. But I'm going to need some assistance on this one because. Hey, Megan, when you say partners, a lot of times, you know, people get kind of confused. This is not partner. a romantic partner. This is no. a, right. Yeah. This work is a partner. work partner. My yeah. work partner is married with very cute children and I'm, <laughs> we're very different in age and everything. So that's okay. Um, so if we summarize all this and this is the part where it, it's kind of imperative in the title of what this is all about, it is past the noise. And a lot of times when people are thinking about career options, they go through college and they're, 
being told, take this, take this, take this. They take that. They get out. Now you're going to use, now you're going to be doing a job that you're not even using your your degree in. You go all the way across the country because it sounds so wonderful. There's lots of money to be made. You're going to win a Nobel Prize for for your cause and the whole bit. And then you realize, oh, I didn't think about the cost of living. I didn't think about things on the front end. So if seriously, if you are going to do it again, I would imagine that you would probably do it again. I don't know. I've never asked you. I don't know whether you would do it again. A lot of people would say, heck, yeah, I would do it again because I needed that one year of service. I needed that one year on my resume because now that I've done it, because a lot of times I know a lot of my friends say I will never do an Ironman. They do an Ironman. They say during the middle of it, I will never do this crap again. And then I find two years later, they're doing another one again. Mm -hmm. And it's because they forget how miserable it is to be in the middle of it. How do I know? Because I did a couple of those. And here I am Mm -hmm. training for another one. So my point is this. Would you, well, I don't have a point right now, but would you do this again if you had an opportunity to do it all over again? Well, I think there's a little bit of hesitation to Mm -hmm. go I mean, there's just been a lot of change in my life in the last two, three years because of it. And there's pros and cons for the experience. A hundred percent. I learned so much about myself. I got to see so many places of the United States. I mean, I was closer to Washington, California. And you were by yourself. You learned how to live alone. Yes. And you had to, I think you have to become uncomfortable sometimes to grow. And I definitely think I did. And I became so comfortable being alone. And as a 25 year old female, I think that's something very important to do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as the, I think there's cons in the sense that, yeah, I don't think I was fully prepared for it. Um, I didn't have a lot of savings. I didn't have a high, you know, credit, there was just a lot in it that I wasn't prepared for. And, you know, you can try to prepare all you want. You can try to tally up what you're going to pay for and calculate everything that you're going to pay for, but you really don't know. And so that was really hard. I think that's something you learn from though. I'm a hundred percent down to move again. Not to the other side of the United States, but, you know, <laughs> Dallas, yeah. you know, South Carolina, North Carolina. Florida, so, yes, on the, fr- <laughs> on the front end you are, but you never know what that's going to entail either. So yes. I think it's I think it's vital to tie this into the title of this. And like I was saying, the noise is all the things that you hear about. You got to go make a career for yourself and. You know, there's a lot of pressure on you from your parents and from other people. And you know what? I imagine this didn't define you, but it probably made you a little bit of who you are and it made you a better person. I think you would probably acknowledge that as well. Yes, I definitely think. And to tie it in to get like just on my end to tie it together. I think in your early 20s, you leave college and you think, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm going to become this corporate boss lady. 
you get stuck for a few years and you think, okay, well, I got to do something. Well, that's what, have- that's what your mother does. She's a, so you, you grew from watching her be the boss lady. Right. And I think I have a few women in my life that I, I mean, even my current boss is someone I aspire to be as well. And I think you put, we put so much pressure on ourselves and I definitely did those two years that I was working that job towards the end of it. I was like, okay, this is, I'm over it. I want to move up. I want to be this, you know, I want to have this cool title. I want to have the money. I want to be important. And I think there's a lot of image that comes from it. Like there's this wanting of an image that my point is it is okay to rest in where you are at and you don't have to put this pressure on yourself. And I think that's what I did. And am I happy I moved to Oregon? Absolutely. Best experience that I've had. And I grew from it, but I think coming back and, you know, kind of almost going backwards, you have to just realize that it's okay. Like I actually have been really at peace with that. And you just have to, you, we just put way too much pressure on ourselves. We make it so much harder because you dealt with this at an early age of in the twenties, when it rolls back around at the late twenties or the early thirties, or whenever it does again, you will have this in your repertoire to be able to pull it back out and to use it to your advantage so that you won't make the same mistakes. And that's where the simple interpretation is from all of this is we, we find the interpretation of it after we've done it. We learn from, we learn through the school of hard knocks and it's just the way that it is. And for the next time we can use it to our advantage and not always are we going to be able to know these things on the front end. So, right. Oh, you just, you just saved a lot of young people, a lot of time because if whoever listens to this podcast will realize that, you know, she went through this, this was tough for her, but at the same time, whoa, all the pressure, all the things that you just said, all those characteristics and or or attributes, all those things on the front end, you're like, I I can do this. I can do this. And then when you find yourself, this is the bad thing, Megan, you're 1200. I don't even know how far. Hey, Google, how far is it from Portland, Oregon to Nashville, Tennessee? 349 miles to get to Nashville from Portland by car. This is my segment where I could use my, my technology and put it in my podcast. <laughs> 2,000 2, miles from Nashville, Tennessee. That is crazy. So you're halfway around, you're halfway across the country and you've got nobody but a dog. And I love, I know you love your dog, but that dog's not smart enough to tell you what's going on. And don't tell me that it does. Smart. Oh, please. Anyway. <laughs> I think it boils down to being a little bit more content and I don't want to make it sound like I would never support. I tell if anyone comes to me and they're like, I'm thinking about moving. I always support it, but I do say, you know, maybe be prepared for all of these things. That's a little bit more of like why I support it because I, I mean, it, it takes going to be, it takes going to learn hey, I should probably be a little bit more content or it takes going to become a new person. But I think it also, there's a lot more to it that people don't realize. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be with me. And I I truly believe that for a lot of people, 
you became the ray of Star Wars. You also mm-hmm. helped balance the force today. And I think that it's going to be valuable for some of those. <clears throat> so if you had a chance to wrap this up as quickly as possible, what do you think the key points of today's lecture without saying shampoo 800 times, what do you oh, think? Goodness. <laughs> yes, you did great with that. What do you think that it would, you would drive home? I think there's a lot of pros and cons and definitely 10 times more cons that you're not aware of. And I, I'm not going to say that there's not a lot more pros that you'll find, mm-hmm. but I think we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it's really important that when these opportunities come along, we're not just making decisions based on image or money or whatever else you have these aspirations for. It needs to be more from probably the heart. Speaking of the heart, let me ask you one last closing ceremony type of question. You got one opportunity, you know, one question that you could ask your parents, what would that question be? I'd, probably want to know what they thought of me when I first popped out. (laughs) Well, that would be an interesting question for sure. But I imagine most parents, well, specifically the dads, because that's what I am. They might be at the haircutting place. They might be getting a haircut 30 minutes before that, maybe at a baseball field. They may be in class. You never know trying to get a doctorate finished or actually started. Um, you know, and, but typically what you're, what dad's speaking from a dad's perspective, when we're in the hospital, we're looking for 10 toes and 10 fingers and, you know, trying to determine whether or not, cause we don't know these things. We're trying to determine what color eyes you have and they're not green. They're not blue. They're not brown. They're black. And then all these things, these superficial things, and a lot of people would say, that's not superficial, that's deep. But no, no, no. The superficial things would be like, I'm going to have you by my side forever, and you're going to do great things, and you're going to hurt some people's feelings because you're so beautiful and wonderful, and I'm going to love you and squeeze you for the rest of your life, and you know, all those things. The things that sound good because you hear about them in movies, you know what I mean? But what I did is I had called, I called my mom and I told her, I said, how am I supposed to love this girl? And how am I supposed to divide my love between this girl and this boy that was already my son? And she said, son, your love doesn't divide, it multiplies. So, and then you start getting to the point where you, when you get my age, you realize that love is not those little superficial things that people will probably um, say that's wrong for me to say, but those are the things that are default. A deeper kind of love is just to love unconditionally, and that love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast, and it's not arrogant, and it's definitely not rude. And Megan... That's the kind of love that I have for you. And you've done all those default things. So I'm very proud of you for everything that you've done. And just always remember, when I saw you, I said all the superficial things. But now, after evolving into the the man that I am, I love you. I love you too, Dad. 
Next week's episode will be a shout out to past American presidents. So on my show, we will be welcoming, that's right, the 42nd president of the United States of America, President William Jefferson Clinton. That's right, Bill Clinton was going to be on my show. And he's going to talk about the things that if he were to go back and do it all over again, what he would have changed. What? No. Hillary can't be on the show. Because she wasn't president. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to cancel the Bill Clinton interview. He's having some travel accommodation issues. Hey, once again, thank you so much for listening to my podcast, Pass the Noise. We'll have another guest speaker next week. Hope you enjoy. I hope that you will subscribe to the channel, get automatic updates, and you have a blessed day. Thank you very much.